Remember Bungalow Bar? The ice cream trucks? Like good humor. Except the trucks they had their bungalow roofs on, hmm? Was Gotti a silent partner in all that thing? Yeah, I don't know nothing about that. Just know that when a company folded and they were auctioning off the last bungalow bar truck, one with the peaked roofs, you're right, Coos. Coos. <laughs> well, they were auctioning off the last bungalow bar truck, and I wanted it as a souvenir. Gotti outbid me. Gave me a ride home. You know, he rang that bell the whole way home. Make sure you ring that bell on our YouTube channel. Hey, welcome to Cut to Black. This is a Sopranos sit-down. I am Jim Scampoli, and this week we're discussing Season 1, Episode 10, A Hit is a Hit. Yes, and I'm Jacob Burroughs. Here, proud of, on my 10th birthday, I'm just waiting on that Hogwarts letter that may one day come and take me away to Sopranos land. Uh, but still, still, still ain't there. Do ding that bell, though, all the way home. Yes. And yeah, so for people that don't know, we are in the midst of a Sopranos rewatch. I've seen every episode, a few of them many times. As Jacob said, he is only a little 10 years old, and this is his first watch through uh, as we be, uh, continue this journey through one of the greatest television shows ever created. Now, as I said, this is episode 10 of season one. A hit is a hit. This episode is written by Joe Basso and Frank Renzulli and directed by Matthew Penn. Uh, this is the only episode directed by Matthew Penn, from my understanding. And also, uh, Joe Bozo, it's the only episode he had a hand in writing, but Frank Renzulli has written eight episodes of The Sopranos. So, hey, you stick around. You two, there's the door. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's we've seen that a fair bit. I guess that's going to happen in the first season of a lot of shows where... You know, you, you get a mix and match. You figure out who goes where and who does what and who fits in with who. Um, and then you get your regulars coming back because none of these guys are regulars yet. Yes, yeah, because they're still in the midst. They're still figuring this out. And I, I have, uh, when I dug around a little bit, it does seem like this is not a favorite of a lot of people. Um, this is kind of thought of as lower-end Sopranos, from my understanding, at least from other people's point of view. What say you, Jacob? I say, after, like, it's hard because it follows last week. Uh, mm. I don't think it's a bad episode, but it's a departure in a place where I don't necessarily want one. Like, I don't care that much about the things that we go into here, but the way we do it is enjoyable to watch still. I'm, I'm also, though, like, looking at the episode numbers and I'm like episode 10 huh and now we get to know about this rapper like I don't like it he, I don't know part of me feels like he better fucking be in the next three episodes then and part of me is like yeah no get him out of here he's not important uh and either way I'm not sure because this feels kind of like an early season episode in in some ways yes yeah actually I had the same thought watching it uh is that I'm kind of with everything that's going on and I like what they're exploring. It's just the placement of the episode as things are. Yeah, we're gearing towards the end of this season. Things are starting to ramp up. And yeah, we're on this detour here. Uh, because, I mean, I love hanging out with Chris. 
uh, and in, in Chris and Adriana, actually. I love hanging out with them for a little while, checking in with Hesh. I really like some of the stuff they're doing with uh, Tony feeling like an outsider with some uh, Wonder Bread Wops. So mm-hmm. I- I'm here for it. But you're right. We're, we're coming off a junior, you know, saying like, hey, no one would uh, bat an eye if I killed Tony. And now uh, Junior is nowhere to be seen. Yes. And like you said, this whole thing of him like, oh, how am I, am I really going to fit in with these white people or am I going to fit in with my gangster friends? And what are my gangster friends going to say? Like, well, your gangster friends are plotting to kill you behind <laughs> your back. So that's why it feels like an early season episode establishing things that you would return to kind of. Um, but I, I, although, yeah, you're right, especially with Christopher and Adriana, I like that stuff. And it's interesting how it totally parallels him wanting to write a screenplay. She wants to be in the music business now because she had a little taste of it. And she knows a guy in a band. Um, and neither of them are good at what they want to do. Yeah, I th- they, they handle that really well. And especially with the band they have in this episode. Because I was trying to figure out if it was a real musician or whatever. And yeah, it is like this guy. He's a songwriter who did write... Um, I guess he wrote music for Train and some other bands like that and, you know, has won awards and stuff. But I feel like they did a good job of making it sound like music that you could almost hear on the radio, but also is bad enough that is some loser band. At least for me, I thought the the weird line they straddled, I thought they nailed it. No, I think you're right uh, because... It- in in their first when you hear them on the tape i think is the first time it's like wow this sounds terrible <laughs> then you hear them live and you think all right you know yeah. they're okay for what they're doing and then the crowd hates them <laughs> uh and, and like that's their best performance in the show and then later when they're recording oh my god and you see the engineer's face you're right i didn't know at times if it was supposed to be bad or good and uh, i guess that's kind of part of the point we're kind of like christopher we don't we don't know nothing about this music stuff need to play it for hesh and he'll tell you no it's not a hit well and and in, in that same respect with both christopher and adriana i mean we already saw christopher's go at writing scripts uh in an earlier episode and now we're seeing adriana you know, trying to pursue her dream of kind of just being respected and smart. And you feel bad for them, but then it's also they play it really well with that line where you understand, like, well, no, she is kind of dumb. But, like, you feel bad for her because you know she earnestly wants to be taken seriously. And then you understand that Chris gets that and wants to support her, I feel. Yeah. Uh, so I, it's it's... It's similar to like, you know, Boogie Nights or something. Um, Dirk Diggler's character. It's like he's like a lovable, innocent idiot. And you want to root for him, but you know he's like really dumb and his ideas are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Christopher's a character who will easily spin out of control and hit someone with their own guitar, which was <laughs> awesome. Um, but like in that situation, when they're arguing at the end, he doesn't want to hit her with the guitar he, so he just goes quiet, but she knows what that means. Yes, and I, uh, it's, it's. I like how that scene plays out because, you know, she's in clear denial and just saying like, "Well, no, you're just jealous. You don't want people to respect me, or you you think I have something like you're jealous of what I have, or you know, this talent. I'm talented, and yeah, he just can't tell her like, "No, you're not." <laughs> like, and he, I, I believe everything he says in that scene. He does love her. 
and he wants her to succeed, but it's hard to tell her like, well, in this case, no, you're wrong. And it's kind of the exact thing you don't want to happen is what's happening here. Yes. And I think that's why it's important that they do straddle the line between uh, good and bad music because they need that feeling for us, the viewer of going, hmm, I, it's not great, but I guess it sounds like stuff I've heard on the radio in the late 90s, early 2000s, kind of. You need that to put that like insecurity because you could, you know, if you dub it over with some really, really shit music, then their argument doesn't have any sort of drama to it. It's just comedic. Or if they're actually great, like for Christopher, I don't think he can tell honestly and that's why he gets the experts but i think the reason he the reason it's bad is he at least notices what's his name massive uh, genius massive looking genius. at Adri adriana and not like caring about the music at all so he notices that and knows that that's an indication that something is wrong rather than you lack the talent to understand what's going on yes and they fill us in earlier like chris is kind of yeah. oblivious to it but he, yeah you know we the audience we see it a bit earlier and we kind of see what's happening here um yeah. so yeah it, it again it's not that this is like a bad storyline uh but yes it is it feels like we're losing momentum because we're taking a little uh side quest but then again with sopranos a side quest is hanging out with chris or silvio or something and i'm down with that yeah and the only thing that doesn't feel kind of side quest, the reason you couldn't put this at the beginning of the season is that things are actually going well for Christopher at the start. And he spent the first half of the season really annoyed about shit. Um, and now he's part of this thing where they're, I mean, we're not really filled in on what's going on, but the first scene, they kill a guy and find a shitload of money. Um, so, so that's kind of, they're, they're sending a message about stay away from our area dealing drugs or what have you i'm not sure but it's a big bonus for them um so that's why it wouldn't have gone earlier in the season yeah and is it has it been a while since we've seen somebody killed or am i just remembering wrong i mean clearly there was the college the college oh, yeah. episode is that the last hit we've seen uh I'm not sure. We got to keep better tally on these hits. We will. I promise you, listeners. Once we uh, once we finish up season one, we're gonna get these tallies down, and we're gonna have the counter. I swear. I promise. Yes. Yes, we are. Uh, but I think you may be right either way because it's been sort of they've been laying low because the FBI was on to them two episodes ago, mm -hmm. and then one episode ago was Boca, and I don't think anyone died there either. They're just kind of worried about being, you know. Uh, on the FBI list and everything. Down Neck. Did someone die in Down Neck? Hmm. That was the flashback. There was a yeah, threatening of stabbing someone's eyes out. No, no one died because it was all one storyline in that episode. It was all Correct. about his kid and his past. Very true. And then it was Pax Soprana. So, I mean, yeah, you're right either way. Oh, a couple of people did die in Pax Soprana. Um, uh yeah, yeah, they murdered the guy who sold the drugs to the kid. But, I mean, that's a, a bunch of episodes ago at this point. And you're right, it has there hasn't been that much mob stuff going on. Mainly mob stuff has been laying low and trying not to get caught and threatening football coaches. Yeah, okay, so we did see, yeah, we did see that guy get thrown off a bridge. Otherwise, we've seen pies in faces and, uh, yeah, mothers threatening their sons. And, oh, and a guy got shot in the foot. Uh, at a bakery. Yeah. <laughs> so. 
Yes. Well, so really, it does go in line. We did say after, I guess, episode two or maybe three that it's it's got sometimes, if you just put a laugh track on it, uh, it could work, you know? Or even just put, you know, uh, the... the <laughs> Put Larry David's uh, outro song on top of the end there, and it could be that mood sometimes if you manipulate it. Well, uh, but now someone gets shot in the head, and you can't go after that. Well, and the main reason why I asked because it was almost like a shock to my system that he shot him in the head like that, and I like forgot. Like I, I was like I forgot we were watching a mob show all this time because I totally yeah. expected where he's like. You know, just make sure they get the message. And he's like, okay. And I'm like, all right. Yeah, he's going to get the message. He's like, nah, we already told him. You're, you're the message. Boom. Got to toy yeah. with him before you kill him. <laughs> and I think that's important because of the storyline with Tony where he's trying to kind of blend in but doesn't want to and he's an outsider. And if he just goes around and, you know, like his uncle puts pies in people's faces and stuff, it wouldn't really be as effective as, like, when he leaves the box at the end, that that wouldn't be as that would just be him being a joker if he doesn't get calls about killing people too. True. Yes, because yeah, we do then cut to Tony and his neighbor Kusamano, who we've heard they've mentioned Kusamano a few times uh, leading yeah. up to this, the first appearance. Because I mean, he's he is the uh, catalyst here that recommended Doctor Melfi to Tony, and that's kind of what they're talking about uh, when we cut to Tony at his house here. And he gives Kusamano some Cuban cigars, uh, and it's like that whole like these are these legal? And it's like they're cigars, and then he even gets to be in the room as Tony gets the call, and it's such a cliche mafia call where he's like, "Okay, what about the other thing? What's going on with that thing? All right, okay, <laughs> you know, talking in veil code over the yeah. phone." Yes, and Kuzuman, like Kuz, Kuzumano. Yes, I don't know. Yeah, that name is familiar to me. I guess from the show, or maybe somewhere else too. But uh, yes, uh, this is he gets the call about things going okay, and Kuzumano is um, a little bit intrigued. He says, "Hey, you should come golfing." Like he he doesn't mind the Cuban cigars. He thinks it's kind of exciting, right? Yes, it's ve- it's very similar to what we saw when. Um with Melfi's uh, family therapist in that earlier episode where they're kind of discussing... Uh, the Melfis are discussing the, you know, mafia and what the, what kind of plight that is on the Italian-American. And then the therapist, who is Jewish, starts talking about, like, tough Jewish mafia. But he's got a glint in his eye and, like, a smile on his face of, like, yeah, these Jews are tough, just like me. So we're seeing that here with this Italian man, Italian doctor, you know, very suburban. But he gets a little adventure because his neighbor is a mob boss. Yeah, and that's good because it sort of hints at where that story is going. But first, we have them celebrating this huge uh, influx of uh, income, as it were. And uh, the important bit, I mean, we see we see fucking Polly and Tony in bathrobes. I, they're in a hotel or something. <laughs> this is a very short scene, uh, but I don't like it's just so... Like, what's the point of this scene, Jim? Well, I because they're in bathrobes, and then one of the 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 gumas says to Polly, "Get your big dick in the hot tub." Uh, mm. So I guess it's one of the they have like a nice suite, I imagine. Even though we don't, it looks like they're in a shitty hotel room. But from the way they're talking, they're in one of those nice suites with a hot tub. So that's why they're all ready. And yes, they have like luggages of money. And Tony does mention, and I think it's it's something I kind of 
missed a little bit uh, watching this when I was younger is Tony does mention like this is the start of, you know, maybe something legitimate. And I never realized that Tony's also kind of using, uh, like as we see later on with his neighbors, these Wonder Bread Wops, he's using them as well because he thinks he's going to get some sort of business like yeah. info or in, in well it's great because he wants to go legit but he wants to do insider trading which is illegal like <laughs> <laughs> yeah he says find a nice ipo keep it spinning live off the juice yeah and they say ip who yeah um but yeah it's uh, initial public offering stock insider trading yeah <laughs> insider market trading shit um cool tony that's not legal either that's maybe you'll get worse punishments for that who knows yeah, and I mean, it is, it's that whole interesting parallel of like, yeah, and, and I mean, we see it with Christopher's story as well, where, you know, Chris is like, I'm a gangster, but this gangster rapper is a gangster. And then with Tony, yeah, the, you know, these, these uh, gangsters, if you will, on Wall Street, these guys that are looked at as legitimate, but they're robbing people's blind. Like, why can't I be that? Uh, why can't I have yes. the easy gangster life? Yes, and he does say that something like this just happens once in a lifetime, where I'm like, whoa, really? How much money is this? Mm. They don't really say out loud. I mean, I can see it's a lot of paper, but I've seen, you know, I've seen a lot of paper in a lot of shows. I'm not sure uh, how how much of an effect it will have, but it has a huge effect on Christopher because he's suddenly in a good mood, which we last saw like I don't know eight episodes ago <laughs> or something. Uh, takes Adriana out to see Rent and a fancy restaurant. But of course, I assume the thing is you get small portions at fancy restaurants, so they have to go to this burger place afterwards. Yes, yeah, they're in a, uh, you know, which looks to be in a, in a black part of the town because they're like the only white people in there and Christopher's being very insensitive with a lot of the comments he's making. Uh, yep. And like, you know, everyone's just waiting. As You know, if you go to a popular trendy place, get used to waiting in line, but not if you're Christopher Maltesanti. You're going to yell and be a piece of shit. So they'll just help you to get you out of there, basically. <laughs> And, oh yeah, I mean he he almost shot someone in the foot, I'm sure. Yeah, and as one of the, the like a cop in the crowd mentions, they kind of uh, they're aware that he's kind of got a weird connection to the Soprano crew, uh, which you know we, as we find out, uh, a famous gangster rapper is also in this burger joint, and he gets wind of that and uh, sees it as a good opportunity to make a business connection. Yes, although I I don't think. Uh, I'm not sure, but I don't think the cops are aware of it. They just overhear him literally blabbing about it because he's just talking about how he's finally get, getting in with the crew properly. That's I true. thought that's what it was. Yeah, anyway. I guess. Yeah, I guess you could read it either way. Yeah, that's that's right. He is just kind of blabbing about it, and I think this is also where we kind of get a better sense of what, like Chris's actual relationship to Tony, because I don't think he's actually his nephew. Um, because yeah. he mentions here that Carmilla's his cousin, and because they're kind of making fun of Carmilla for being like a WAP wife, where like Adriana, like there's you know, that's your best case scenario. What are you talking about? Uh, and um, I, and it's weird they make an they make a comment that's important to Carmilla's story here, which is something I don't think they would know because they're like, yeah, just being a wife wondering where the money's coming from. It's such kind mm -hmm. of an off doesn't fit comment that they would make, but it sets up like wh where Carmilla's at. So I feel yeah. like that's kind of like a little cheat they did, but hey, we're, we'll allow it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, massive 
massive something or other what's his face comes up and and sort of talks a little shit and they talk a little shit but then when they come outside they've been informed by the cop as you mentioned that he's semi-connected so uh he actually wants to uh massive genius wants to talk to uh hesh i don't think he brings that up yet he invites them to their party right yes talk yeah because it's talk business and that's when we see their nice hamptons house and this big party's going on and they have uh he has that moment where he's like he's admiring his guns and then massive genius takes the gun out and kind of points to that christopher for a second and you know tension ensues and we learn yeah that because we kind of heard mention of this in a previous episode right where hash had pulled some scams in the music biz and ripped yep. off some black artists so now we're seeing some of the uh, comeuppance from that, uh, where this massive genius knows a mom who, whose son was basically robbed of writing credits or publishing credits or something or other on some music. Yeah, and I gotta say, give him credit because I never thought that was them planting a seed for a future episode. Like, <laughs> I like, I guess in retrospect, when you bring up like, oh yeah, just like in the seventies when you did this bullshit. Like, I guess it's not super subtle, uh, but it never even would have occurred to me that, like, yeah, of course, because they're going to come and try to squeeze him for those writing credits later. Well, I think it is kind of smart. I mean, yeah, I mean, when you see it now, it doesn't feel subtle. But the thing is, you never would have had to have done anything with it. I think it's a nice little tidbit that explains, like, Hesh's connection and maybe why he's... Because... Because we we know him as more of an outsider because he's not always hanging with them at the Bing or whatever. So it's a nice little uh, tidbit on like what he does and where he got his money from. But yeah, you're right. Now that we see it, it does feel like, oh, all right, there we go. They were setting that up. No, but yeah, I, I, that's also what I meant that like is well done because I, would, I never thought like, ugh. I'm sure next episode this is going to come up. So that's that's <laughs> yeah. the type of foreshadowing that's bad. And this is actually good because you don't realize it at all. And then only in retrospect, I was just wondering because I'm like, why did I not think that was going to happen? I guess because they talk smack a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I mean, it's interesting to see like this is the second episode. I mean, the other one was Down Neck, where it was more in flashback. But they're touching upon... Like, uh, like the the kind of clashing between like the Italians and the black community, and knowing a little bit about this movie they announced, it seems like they want to explore that more. So I don't know if it's just always been a thing because I don't remember it being much in later seasons. Not to really spoil anything, but I don't know. It's just an interesting tidbit that we're seeing in the midst of this announcement of a movie, which is supposed to be exploring it a bit more. Yes. Everyone, please, we're going to talk about the movie. So please subscribe and leave your reviews. Yes, we are relevant again all of a sudden and not uh, due to our own work at all. Um, so as you mentioned, a thing about Carmilla not knowing shit about what's going on. Tony comes home and it's all smiley and giggly. Uh, and Carmilla's like, did you get a booster thing or whatever she says? Yeah, did you um, make a score? Like, it, it, it's an interesting on the nose for Carmilla because she plays it a little, you know, aloof for the most part, even though we know she knows what's up. But here, like, she's so excited. She's like, did you make a big score? Mm. And she's looking at college brochures and things, and 
I mean, she brings it up because she's thinking about the future. What if something happens to you? And he says, oh, you'll be taken care of. But uh, that's also sort of starting her whole thing this episode, which is kind of in the background. But the thing about her getting hip to the existence of the stock market, thanks to these uh, other wives and then in doing some investment of her own. Yes. Yeah. Because it's this, you know, and, and Tony's making jokes about it. Like, she's like, what if something happens? She's like, well, then you call the, you know, the grave digger. He says something along those lines, like get a nice suit in a box. And it's weird to make that joke because it's such a real reality, something that can happen very easily. Um, yeah. And, but then Tony's also still just being very vague because he's like, we got enough. Uh, he won't really get much into it. And then I think we go into what Adriana talking about Defiler. <laughs> yes, uh, Defiler. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, uh, Tony should just say, just go to the, just go to my mom's place and look in the hat box. Uh, you'll be fine. <laughs> um, but yes, Adriana's talking about Defiler, uh, and it, you know, it's kind of warning bells because she's talking about how freaking perfect and artistic her ex is and christopher who's a man who flips out over small things throughout the episode he's i mean apart from hitting him with a guitar he's actually quite uh reasonable about it and wants to support his girlfriend who is supporting her ex and he manages to be totally fine with that which i wouldn't really expect from him yeah and we even see a little bit of that too where he when she when he kind of like agrees to it and then he's like, but I get to dress you up. So I don't know. There is this thing they're hinting at, I guess, with Christopher where, you know, he, he loves that, you know, dudes want his chick. But he's that, I guess, uh, he's that secure about it, which is kind of unlike what we know of Christopher to be secure about anything. <laughs> yes. And I even think it would have been fine if the band was good and if Massive Genius wasn't just looking at her. Uh, he would have been fine with it, and he because he does want good things for her, and that's why he agrees to this. That now he suddenly has some money, so he'll help set her up, do her little music management thing. Unfortunately, she's you know blind. You everyone gets blind to the people they know. That's the, I, I guess that's the thing that happens where you just think they're great because they're your friends or your ex or whatever, or you think they suck because they're your friends or whatever. I think the, it happens the same way the other way, where if my friend was a famous stand-up comedian, I'd probably be like, ah, he's just up there doing his jokes. You know, I hear that shit every day. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we see further Christopher's rationale, similar to what he had about his uh, screenwriting dream, where he mentions, you know, I love being in Blockbuster, I love the smell. He says to uh, Adriana, with how much you listen to the radio, like, <laughs> you know, yeah. of course, you know, a good hit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's definitely uh, very similar because it's like, oh, yeah, I watch movies. I could write one for sure. Um, and speaking of writing, we do get the arranged meeting with Hesh and Massive Genius. I wish I knew his Christian name so I could stop calling him that. Um, but, yeah, they're hanging out at his horse farm. Uh, looking at the horses and talking about who actually wrote what. And, uh, yeah, talk, he's trying to squeeze him because he knows he didn't write those things that he gets all the royalties for. Yeah, and then Christopher kind of makes a remark uh, out, of, out of school, if you will, just because I assume it's because he's trying to get in good with uh, Massive. And, I mean, it's fine because all they do is call it Massive in the show, from my understanding. Yeah. They're even, like, they're calling him Massive like it's his first name. Uh, but yeah, Chris steps out of line a little bit and says like, Hesh needs to do the right thing. That's what needs to happen. And, um, yeah, we're seeing this budding, uh, 
uh, conflict here as, you know, I mean, Massive is just kind of trying to do the right thing by uh, an old woman who whose son was ripped off. So you can't really be mad at that. Yes. Um, so there's some other stuff, but I want to stick with this storyline for the moment and go to the bar where we actually hear the band playing. And as you said, we find out that Massive, uh, like he can tell they're not that good, but this is also their best sound in the whole show as well. So it's not totally crazy in this scene that this is happening. Well, it's interesting too, because it's it's so quick because they keep talking about Defiler. It's almost, I don't know if they're trying to tell us that even Adriana doesn't know because all of a sudden they're not Defiler anymore. Now yeah. they're visiting day. Um, yes. And it's happened like, but in two scenes ago, she was just playing the Defiler tape. Uh, it's almost like she checks back in with Richie and realizes that, oh, wait, no, they got a new sound and their visiting day. And they're like, which I think she compares them to Matchbox 20 or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and I, li- I love how the scene plays out because I still, th- as a viewer, like, I mean, I don't like it, but I'm not sure if they're trying to tell us it's bad or not. It, like you said, they sound pretty good, but then we start to realize the audience thinks they suck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and I mean, I guess that's kind of hammered home in a later scene where she talks about, you know, how Richie's been through so much and he's so deep ever since he tried to grill that trout uh, with a downed power line and got electrocuted. <laughs> you know, recovering from that, it really changed him. And that made me laugh out loud and kind of... You know, it showed us where the, he is not actually a deep guy, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's such a great detail is, yeah, he was electrocuted by a down power line. Because, yeah, he's trying to grill a trout. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, meanwhile, there is the storyline that, you know, we I, I think we've done a good job of touching on almost everything in the episode already, kind mm-hmm. of. But there is the whole storyline where uh, first we see the other you know, uh, the other people in the neighborhood and Melfi's there and it does make sense when you think about it, but first it's kind of like, wait, what? Um, right? Yeah, yeah, but then when um, when you think about it as like, he, she was the recommendation and like kind of the connection to yeah. uh, to the Sopranos, now, yeah, now you, it becomes more clear like, oh no, she was like friends with them beforehand. And I'm almost positive that at this dinner party, the guy she's with is the guy Melfi was with in, I believe, the pilot when they can't get a table. And then really? Tony gets him a table. I'm almost positive. I didn't double check it. I should have. <laughs> All right. I, I think I I think I looked up that that guy wasn't in any episodes, but I'm because he had like a Swedish name or no. Um, no, no, no. I, I don't know. I don't know. Because uh, okay. he's with her fucking guys, man. She's a player. You never know. He does look like him. So I, I you're probably right. But, unless, but who knows? Yeah. In, unless he's just another guinea and I'm um, just mixing him up with all the other guineas who all look the same. Right. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Um, and yeah, they, they're talking about the mob stuff, and obviously it's awkward for Melfi, who goes to the bathroom, looks out the window at the house, and hears weird screaming. <laughs> and th- it, this is really such like a, a sitcom-y type setup, uh, what they have with the screaming setup in the reveal later on. Yeah. Um, I do like... I mean, I guess it's what we've seen with Melfi and her family, the way she kind of defends Tony. And, uh, I mean, she does it here as well. Although it's also more of like defending Italians in a way because they're being prejudiced, even though I guess, I guess the Cusamanos are Italian. 
but they what's the common something like the Goomba glass? Uh, there's a specific glass I I don't know offhand, but then yeah, she kind of sticks up for for it a little bit. Um, and, but yeah, then she goes in the bathroom just so she can like sneak a peek at Tony's house because, you know, you can't blame it's same with Kusumano. He likes to stop in the house and maybe get some cigars. There's some intrigue there. She wants to take a peek at the house, see how Tony lives in his real life. Yes. Which does give her a bit more, you know, three dimensionality and stuff, uh, because, She's, you know, she's just the therapist, but she's a human being, too. And it's nice when we get to see her as a human being. And, um, well, and uh, back to Kusumano real quick. I like that we cut to him. He's in the middle of talking about a scene from Casino. And uh, to go back to the family therapist again, it's that same like, oh, man, you know, he's, he's got his head in his vice. He pops his eye out. And then the wife even makes a comment of like. He goes over there for 10 minutes and he comes back and he's like, fucking this and fucking that and put a hit out on somebody like yeah. just loving that little brush with uh, with that reality. Yeah, which is something he brings a gift to his friends as they go golfing later in the episode, which is where the clip is from that you pulled in the beginning. Um, and I don't know what this ice cream thing they're talking about is or like it's kind of. I mean, it's very easy to see what's happening because he's getting more and more annoyed as they keep talking about mob stuff. And they're kind of saying like, hey, let me know. It's kind of, it's so weird because it's like, it's like me asking you, a guy from Las Vegas, like, it's okay. You can tell me if this is not okay to ask about, but what is it like living in, you know, uh, New York, New York? Like, yeah. is it like real New York? Because obviously that's where you live. Like, and, and there's no correct answer. You can't say, like, that's fucking offensive and you're an idiot. Uh, and you can't, it, like, so he just kind of stares at them and then makes up this lie to make fun of them. Yeah, and I think it's really well done because to me anyways, I really do kind of feel bad for Tony. Um, even though, to their, de- to their defense, it's true. Like, he is a mafia. Like, he's a mob boss. But... They're, yeah, the way they're doing it, and they're like, how real was The Godfather? He's like, what? Like, <laughs> that was, How old do you think I am? Wasn't that in the 50s? And they're like, I thought it came out in the 70s. And they're like, no, you idiot. He means like the movie took place in the 50s. Uh, yeah. The way it's just, it's, it's played out so well, but also it's one of those things Sopranos does well where it, does, it wouldn't have to be him, like you said, it wouldn't have to be him in the mob. Like, I, I think we've all kind of had these moments where you're with whether it be like friends of friends or a group of people you're not that comfortable with. And then it feels like there's some joke that you're not in on and maybe potentially you're the butt of. Uh, And obviously it doesn't feel good. And I mean, Tony sums it up with his story later. uh, But he also talks about the Metagon, which I guess is like a muggle. Uh, It's it's an Italian word for muggle because looking it up, it's a non-Italian American or an Italian who has lost his roots. And yeah, and, and you know, Tony's talking to Melfi about it and, you know, how would he talk to, how would he explain to his friends that he's becoming a Metagon or becoming friends with the Metagon? Yeah. Like that famous song, the Metagon, no, it's all about muggles. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, he feels further alienated because they even have this, di- this sort of grill out first, this barbecue oh, right. yep. and he's trying to talk to them. Like they're, they're, they're all like, Oh, you're here from Ross on Dexplex. And he's not asking crazy questions. He's like Dexplex. And they're like looking at him and he's like looking at them and it's awkward. 
and like they're like let's not talk business so they treat it like he treat like it's a fucking phone call he gets about a murdered guy they can't talk they can't even like oh you couldn't even begin to understand which makes me wonder if they're doing fucking insider trading right now yeah i feel like that is kind of something they're they're um like hinting at for sure where it is this weird thing they shouldn't be talking about and it's it's a great uh parallel to tony i mean it was never clear to me. I guess I just wasn't paying attention. That yeah, that does show that Tony was hanging out with them to try to get some insider info like that. But then for Carmilla, it's like she's coming up aces, getting little uh, tips from the wives who I guess are picking up info from their husbands, or just maybe that's sexist of me to assume that. Maybe they're just yes, very yeah. smart and independent on their own. Yeah, they're they they get their information from being very independent women, Jim. Um, <laughs> So, I, although, yeah, is there a moment where she's like, my God, I, I won so much on the stock market because I just see her looking at the newspaper and then she kind of hides it when Meadow's coming in. But I guess she does invite her out to do a nice, uh, you know, uh, spa thing. So is that how we know that she won money? Yes. Yeah. Because as a young lad, I never really picked that up either. Because uh, basically we do see that she buys 5,000 shares of that stock they were talking about. And then she sees in the paper that it's split three to one, meaning her 5,000 shares is now 15,000 shares. So mm. she did, without even knowing whatever the pricing of the stock was, she definitely was on the come up with that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, that's good. Uh, Tony's doing less good. He tells that story and then uh, that relationship is over. I mean, we get to finish that storyline. He's talking to Melfi again and uh, brings up the uh, friend he had with the cleft palate. Yeah, uh, Jimmy Smash. And, yeah, and kind of shits on him. But, you know, his point is, oh, I, I felt bad when he figured out how much it was hurting him, but he never understood until now. Um, and that guy's rotting in jail, by the yeah, way. This yeah, they ended, punchline. It's, it, it's played so well because it makes perfect sense, and you kind of already get the sense of seeing the scene, but then to hear him talk about it and what it means to him and... Yeah, you know, always feeling bad in the hindsight of maybe how you treated someone when you were younger, but then kind of living the reality of it and the difference that means to you. But he still gets to end it on a nice punchline of how the cops knew he robbed the bank because of his, uh, give me the mini. Like, like, still gets a nice little chuckle at his expense, even though yeah. he has a better understanding of it. Yeah, and even Melfi gives a little, huh. Yeah. yeah, that's funny. <laughs> it, um, it feels like over these episodes, they've made her way more giggly in these uh, therapy. I mean, I guess Tony's killing it more and more, so yeah. you can't really blame her on that front, but she's definitely a little bit more smiley and giggly in these therapy sessions. Yeah, and I think, uh, I guess it's mostly okay. I think it was hurt. We were hurt a bit by Down Neck because that's the only episode where that was happening for sure in the flashback episode where it was even we started wondering is this a dream because she's acting so differently the rest i can understand as far as she talked about i've been who you needed me to be to get to this point in the therapy and her opening up like that i i mean i'm no therapist i don't know how it works but uh I guess she's trying to get him to open up more and more. And if he wants to make jokes, she doesn't want to just stonewall him on it either. So, so I think that's part of it. Yeah, that makes sense. 
Um, um, so there's also Hesh, who there's a nice scene, I don't think with any dialogue at all, where he sits and listens to the music uh, that is in dispute, and he looks at the wall and all this stuff, and you can see that he's got a real connection to it like he really cares about it and it's bringing up a lot of memories and there's some good acting as i said no words spoken but still you see it and in that moment it feels like it could go either way yes yeah it actually feels like he's really gonna reconsider you know his his uh like being stubborn about it and maybe kind of give in uh for the greater good and i mean they they're hinting at you know, maybe he's had better relationships with uh, even some of these women or what have you. When you look at some of these pictures and just, uh, yeah, you're right. He's just, the way it, the way it's edited and with the music and the acting, um, you're getting a real sense of the history and what it means to uh, the, the real Hesh that's not around, you know, the mob boss that's maybe posturing a little bit. Yes, and I almost expected him to say, all right, I'll give her 200K. Like, yeah. not the full amount, because he would never give the full amount, but hey, let's settle this. Uh, yeah, and um, let me see. Yeah, we already kind of went through Tony and Carms. Uh, oh, wait, so then we get to the studio where, I mean, I guess the, what we're getting from here, too, is that they, you know, at the beginning of the episode, they're talking about where they're going to put some of this money they have now. And this is kind of Chris's thing. Like, he's going to sink some of that money into Adriana's dream and really make a go with this music thing. And yeah, we see the frustrated producer and the artiste uh, singer who, you know, Hey, Kinko's gave me five days off. So there's no worry here. Like we're not in a big yeah. rush. <laughs> they play yeah. it so perfect with this uh, artist guy who is, you know, if you look a little, not even that deep, but just a little deeper, you know, he's kind of just a piece of shit. Like, hey, I recorded in Denmark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that line. Oh my gosh, because he tries to school the audio engineer on how to mic, because the problem isn't them. It's that, you know, they mic'd it wrong from the beginning. And I love this audio engineer. Uh, <laughs> can relate to him in some ways. And uh, it's, I mean, this whole stuff, all this stuff is sad because if Adriana could hear that they were shit and went and found another band that was good, uh, she could actually do this. And I'm sure Massive, if, if they brought him a band that was actually good it could actually go somewhere even if it was because he wanted to fuck her like it could it could work out but yeah now um christopher is just sinking money down a hole and he can feel it so that's why he smashes the guitar and also goes to play it for hesh yeah and we, we start to see the christopher we're used to because he's making a guy who goes to AA and is clean now. He's trying to make him do drugs. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, there's my, my guy. There's Christopher. I've missed you. <laughs> he throws a bag of speed at him or whatever. And he's like, go shoot up and let's finish this session. And it's great because he's not really trying to hide it or anything. Because, yeah, it's in front of the engineer. It's in front of the rest of the band. And, and even if this singer, this Richie guy is just kind of a loser... You don't want him to get fall back into drugs again. So you're like, oh, yeah. Chris, what are you doing? And he's like, that's why he beats him up. That's why he hits him with the guitar because yeah. he won't go shoot up and get that energy and pep in his step so he can go back and do some more takes. I mean, they've yeah. only done 62 takes of this track. <laughs> yeah, and then he's like, after the smash, he's still like, okay, from the top, let's go. Yeah, maybe with a <laughs> we'll, we'll use a ukulele or something. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> That's why you gotta love this guy. Um, and yeah, the audio engineer, I think, points out there's no choruses. Uh, so, like, we already know it's not going to be a hit, okay? Uh, but Hesh reinforces it in a brief scene where it tells him to get the fuck out of there. Uh, <laughs> stop wasting my time with this shit. Um, and, uh, yeah, speaking of Hesh, his finishing storyline is a phone conference, uh, which is lovely because, like, it feels like they're threatening to go to, you know, a gang war, and then it ends with, oh, yeah, I'll see you in court. No, I'll see you in court, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, and it's a nice uh, to go back to the title of the episode. I mean, and it's said in the episode as well. You know, a hit is a hit, and you know we start with a a mob hit, but then most of the episode is discussing whether this song is a hit, and mm-hmm. you know, in the same vein of, you know, this gangster rapper, we're ready to go to war with the Jews and the Italians in court. You know, times yeah. are a changing, and. Uh, you know, they even kind of have that, like, like Tony's even like taking it back a second where they realize, oh, wait, so it's just a court thing? It's not, uh, you know, we're not going to go murder each other's friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's like, yeah, with what I pay in retainers, fuck yeah, I'm going to sue. <laughs> and Tony's like, I hear that. <laughs> and it's, and, um, and it's nice, though, that Hesh. Like, Hesh has a thing in his back pocket because, you know, I guess he's prepared for anything because he even brings up there's, you know, a second vocal used in the background of a beat that was sampled off one of his records. So he's going to be suing as well. Yes. And um, there's a nice touch of, I think Tony gets to try to peg him for, yeah, I bet you not even a real gangster. I bet you got a fucking degree, bitch. And he's like, yeah, no, I do got a degree, motherfucker. And urban planning. After I killed somebody, though. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm both. Yeah, and I expected Tony to be like, just one guy, huh? Hmm, cool. Um, but yeah, that's nice. Uh, and uh, that's the end of that. Yeah, and then, I mean, we have that. We kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier, but there's that scene where Adriana is trying on dresses, and they're both, like, super expensive. I think she says one of them is, like, $3,600, but Chris is like, just keep them both. And it's because, you know, he's going to have to break it to her that this you know defiler or what was the what's the other name of the band a new day not a new day <sighs> yeah uh, van vans visiting vans, day van. visiting yep. day and, you know he's has to break the truth to her that it's you know they're not very good it's not going to go anywhere and yeah. she leaves because she thinks that he's just kind of poo-pooing on her dreams and he's silent <laughs> ab- uh, yeah like you said he's just silent through the whole as uh, she's just kind of yelling at him about it yeah, and I think he even like says to Hesh earlier so the same stuff that she's saying to him. Like he wants, he doesn't want it this to be the case, but he can tell now, and he tells he tells uh, Hesh like, "Oh, you're just an old guy," and she tells him like, "Oh, you're just an old guy," or <laughs> listening to old guys like, but he don't he doesn't want to, and yeah, that's. I mean, we talked a lot about their whole situation, and that like their storyline is the linchpin of the episode. It's what makes it all stick together. I feel. Yeah, well, and there's one line I want to bring up because before Christopher gets into it, he goes, "You know how I'm all about positive visualization." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she's like, and she "Well," says, "I think I know you yeah. talk about it a lot, but you're pretty fucking negative." <laughs> uh, it's such a great line, and. I, like similar to the Tony scene where you really feel for him, at least I did when they're kind of just goofing around talking about mob stuff. 
I feel like this is a legit, like I feel for this couple. Like I, you know, uh, I understand both, both of their positions, but they shouldn't be fighting over this. And, um, even though probably they should break up just because they're toxic people, uh, you still feel sad about it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and speaking of people who should break up, he gets to uh, Tony's uh, has a nice moment with Carmela as they plan this goof of giving a box full of sand to Coos. Um, and that's kind of how the story ends or the episode ends of him handing it over. And I love his face he puts on when he's being like the dumb mob guy uh, <laughs> when he's talking to him and he's just got, oh, oh, yeah, just take this box. And he's like, oh, yeah, the box. Uh, for how long? He's like, oh, you never know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe a month, maybe a few weeks. And uh and then Kusamana tries to object to his new nickname of Kuz because mm-hmm. yeah, it does have like a like a double meaning, like kind of like I guess a puss or whatever. And then but Tony is in his mob guy and he's like, "Oh, no, 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 not anymore. That's not <laughs> people don't think that anymore." And and it is kind of like uh, it's interesting that this episode ends on this joke with the neighbors, kind of. I guess it does kind of call back with the, with the grunting, which I don't know if we talked about the reveal. The reveal is that it's Tony, you know, pumping iron in his basement, and he's getting a good grunt on because he's getting a good workout. Yeah, which um, reminded me of uh, House of Cards pulling the old rowing machine, and it's almost like they kind of place it like it's a... Uh, reveal of some sort i guess i mean it is a reveal because we find out about the scream but it's also like has he been lifting weights in the basement this whole time or is this a new expression of frustration at not getting to get along with these people he wanted to get along with uh and i'm not sure i the reason it feels kind of cheap is that it's just kind of who was screaming oh it was tony he was lifting weights and it's like has he always been lifting weights like what are you telling me in this situation or is it just for the joke of her hearing that yeah it's uh, yeah i i agree and i guess what they're trying to say is yeah just the joke of her hearing that and then they don't they hear it when they're looking at the box as well yeah so it's just that like i don't know the outsiders think that Someone's being tortured in their house, I mm-hmm. suppose. Uh, but yeah, it's it kind of falls flat. It's not like a great reveal, not a great thing to kind of really go on. I mean, and there is yes. that back and forth where she's not so subtly being like, you didn't hear someone screaming last night? Mm-hmm. And I, they, they do have Tony play it as if he's hiding something, where he's yeah. like, hmm, no, I'm not so sure. Like, he's playing it a little weird. So it it, it kind of it in the end it all falls flat. I think it's probably one of the weaker things of this episode. I'd say. Yeah, and I think it's because it's something that's in there that Tony does that doesn't reveal anything about his character or tell us anything new, and it's not a change in him. Uh, like, yeah, he kind of wants to hang out with his people at the start of the episode, and at the end of the episode, he gives up on it. But it's not really a realization. I mean, I guess it is uh, the thing about the cleft palate and he understands how it actually feels to be treated like that. But the actual weightlifting is not related to that or they don't manage to tie it in uh, as it might have gotten tied in. Maybe maybe if Carmilla, it would have been too on the nose, but she could have said at the start, uh, you know, forget about those neighbors. Just go lift those weights you bought and never touched. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just that. And that's a shit line. But if it was like, 
uh, or someone else. I mean, she wouldn't say that. But if someone said like, oh, why don't you you just get involved with something and then you don't care about it? Like you're just going to forget about these people like the weights you keep in the basement and never use. Yeah, exactly. Something a little bit more, even if it's on the nose, maybe just a little bit more telegraph so it doesn't come off. Just because it just comes off as a more of a punchline here. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of punchlines, there's a setup for a joke that I don't know if it's going to come up later. Uh, but he does. Uh, he asks about the club, and Coos tells him that membership's closed oh, and yeah. it's only going to open if old me- members die. And I thought they would make a joke, and maybe it'll be in a diff- different episode. I would love if he reads the paper and sees that an old member has died, and like, <laughs> oh no, what did I tell Tony? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was totally waiting for uh, either Tony to make a face or. Uh, Coos to realize what he was saying and uh, yeah. maybe maybe try to backtrack it a bit. But yeah, there you go. I mean, that's the episode. Yeah, because he even says, like, no new members until old members die. And he says, nobody's dying. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, the box is full of sand. So that's a good goof. Good goof, Tony. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, what do we got? We got three episodes left in season one. And you'll be that much more mature once we're done and you see where season one leaves you. Yes, I'll be heading into my teens and I look forward to thinking I know everything because I'm still in a phase where I'm like, oh, this is The Sopranos still. Oh, this is The Sopranos. Still learning a lot every episode. Um, You can learn a lot every episode as well by following along and viewing our live streams, which happen on Sundays. We're setting the time now. It's going to be at noon pacific time in the u.s right yes sir yeah so like las vegas for example where jim is that's at noon on sundays for me in sweden that is nine o'clock in the evening on a sunday if you're in between you can do the counting yourself and well if you're in asia good luck if you're in new jersey where the sopranos are it'll be 3 p.m on sunday perfect uh just in time for a nice sunday um gravy uh, lunch yeah, some yeah. Sunday gripe, maybe maybe a hero or some uh, noodles and gravy, you know, get your gravy out of a ketchup packet. Yeah, I don't know what any of those things are, but uh, you can also send your uh, thoughts on the show to showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com, or you can tweet us at showswhatyouknow, that's you with the letter U. Um, you can also, please, leave a review on our uh, podcast feed. We appreciate it very much. And uh, if you're on the Shows What You Know website, showswhatyouknow.com, you can get our uh, coverage of all the other shows we talk about. For example, after this live stream, we're about to do a live stream about Vice Principles, which is a really good show that you should check out if you haven't already. Uh, a bit more comedic, um, a bit, yeah, kind of similar, uh, except the fact that it... Uh, intentionally does the comedic stuff and focuses more on it but also has weird violence and drama and things and uh, danny mcbride's in it so uh, it's worth checking out um what else is there jim oh my goodness you can find more of jacob if you go to awesomepedia.org he's got all kinds of good content lots of stuff to go through and check out and you can also find more from me at jimandthem.com all kinds of good content content mm. Things to go through, things to kill time with. Mm, I love content. Oh, I just wish there was more of it. Ah, uh, well, I guess there's just one thing to say, Jim. What's that? Cut to black.